Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. We're back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. It's been a little bit of time. Your boy needed a little R&R after the season. Um, we wanted to wait till Chris Ballard spoke. Probably could have tried to squeeze in a Friday or so podcast, but was out of town. Wanted to make sure. That... Oh, man. Boy. I could eat breakfast right before the podcast. Hmm. Um, wanted to make sure we got a little. The heavy Ballard info. Um in before we came with the first offseason podcast. I probably speak for everyone in saying no need to recap the Jaguars game because that uh, was a bit of a clunker, a major clunker now that I think about it, to end the season going 7-9. and nine. So, Joey, how you been, man? I, it's, been a, it's been a while. It's good to have you back. It's good to be back in the in the routine and excited to talk about what's going to be a, a really crazy and important offseason. Without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Easily... Um, one of the more interesting, pivotal off-seasons this franchise has ever faced. Um, selfishly, as a fan of football, before we dive deep into Colts, I love Wild Card Weekend. Unreal. Talk about entertainment. Yeah. I mean, not, not the greatest games of football, like not these back-and-forth, um, you know, 30 to 27 shootouts, yeah. but just give me drama. All I ask for in sports is drama. Mm-hmm. Give me entertainment. Give me punters spiking it. Give me Romo. You know, telling Nance, oh, my gosh, you can feel the energy in here. They know this could be the end of Brady. Like, he said that 30 times in the fourth quarter. Give me drama. Give me, give me refs you suck give in me New Josh Orleans. Josh Allen pitching a ball inexplicably at the 50-yard line. Josh Allen looking like he's throwing the game. Taysom Hill looking like, why don't the Colts have that player? Because that just looks like a really fun player to watch play also, football. Also, DK Metcalf looking like, why don't the Colts yeah. have that player? Dude, I couldn't believe how many of my mentions um, – Touched on that on Sunday, but four really, really exciting games and for no kind of skin in the game for your Steelers and uh, our coverage of the Colts, I'll take the drama. Oh, yeah. I literally looked to my brother-in-law and my dad on Saturday night and I was like, it's kind of more fun not having your team in the right. playoffs. Like This is great. No stress. I, I was going to say, you just kind of kick up the feet a little bit, yeah. just watch the game without thinking too, too much. And I think what we love about the NFL, maybe more so than any other aspect of the league is the parody. And I can't believe the stat of the eight teams left in the playoffs. Seven are new from last year. It's awesome. Kansas City. That's it. Yeah. Kansas City, the only holdover. Um, I mean, think about that. 15 teams of 32 or, yeah, 32. For some reason, I was thinking 30 with the NBA. Um, 32. I mean, that's nearly half your league has made it to the final eight has made it to be in a game away from going to the Super Bowl. Like, that is – that's awesome. Yeah. And and I love it about this league. And I guess we'll have to see here, Joey, if the old horseshoes can try to get into that final eight again. They were in it last year. We'll see if they can make a run next year at it. Yeah, this, season, this offseason will go a long way. And deciding that, deciding what's going to happen over the next five years of this, of this franchise, I would assume. But, Kevin, 
let's get into it. We're going to go over Chris Ballard's press conference, kind of recapping 2019. I mean, yeah, this talked- will be the big chunk of the podcast. We'll get into Twitter questions, yeah. but got to hit on Ballard. Yeah, so let's start there. Chris Ballard talks for over 70 minutes. That was a big thing that people were <laughs> impressed with, where, holy cow, I can't believe a, an executive, a general manager would give that much time. He talked for that long. What, what was his overall just 2019 thoughts to start? Yeah, and I guess, Joey, let, let's start right there with what you just said. You know, over 70 minutes, what, fielded 70-some questions. I love it. It's great candor. It's uh, a forthcoming nature from him that he kind of gives us a peek behind the curtain. That is great, and there are not a lot of GMs in the league that would do that. Having said all that, I think what we need to remind ourselves is just because the GM provides transparency, that cannot cloud how we evaluate his tenure. Like (laughs) we, We can put those two things separate. I am very appreciative that Chris Ballard is as transparent as he is on many topics. Some topics he's not willing to go too deep, and that's fine. And like I said, there are a whole lot of GMs that wouldn't even sniff half the stuff that he gets into. But we can still be honest, and that's that's kind of been our theme here on Kevin's Corner, and we will continue to be that. So uh, that's the stuff that, 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 that we will touch on. And, you know, I, I felt like a common theme through Ballard's presser was – he was pretty pissed off about his inability to provide enough depth to this coaching staff. And it got me thinking back to his opening presser, Joey, you know, January 2017, when Ballard reiterated time and time again, it's not about one player. It's not about one player. And here he is three years into it. And in the two seasons, Andrew Luck didn't take a snap. You're not 11 and 21 football team kind of about one player you know and, and again so that's what pisses him off and also like you just said Joey it continues to add to in my opinion the importance of what quarterback means to any franchise and especially this franchise so um you know Ballard talked about the the the, the 2019 season and you know he mentioned that there's going to be some turnover and it almost to me is like, well, there has to be turnover. You brought back 20 of 22 starters. You look at this free agency list. I mean, I don't know if there's a guarantee that you're going to be bringing back any of these guys. You could make, I think, reasonable cases that all of them are playing elsewhere next season. And Anthony Costanzo being the one outlier in that. And he doesn't even know if he's going to play football mm-hmm. again next season. So, there's going to be turnover. You brought back 20 to 22 and you went 7 to 9. You have to have changes. And you know, I again, Ballard was most frustrated with he didn't give this coaching staff enough enough depth to be a playoff football team. Uh what, you missed the playoffs by two games, I think it was. Yeah, Tennessee goes 9 and 7 and they get the number 6 seed. And I found it interesting, Joey, that a couple trends we've talked about on this podcast for quite a while that showed up in Ballard's presser of him admitting that. One was the depth. You know, I think we said it all year long. I just don't think this team has enough depth. I I just don't think that they do to withstand some injuries. And then secondly, Ballard admitted that when they were 5-2, and he looked at point differential. And we brought that up of, like, that's fool's gold. Let's let's make sure that, again, 5-2 and looks nice and – I've been filling in on the fan morning show here on our station for the past couple of months, and 
it's like the same way I think we kind of looked at IU basketball start to the season. They start 11-1, and but that – that eleven one don't look like Duke's eleven and one, or you know, somebody else's eleven and one. Like, yeah. Same thing with the Colts at five and two. It looked great on paper, but it's a long season. And how were they going to react when some adversity started to to, to hit them? So, I thought Ballard, you know, realized that they were kind of playing with fire at five and two, and it just goes back to what we've talked about for quite a while in that. Um, this is something to where the depth has got to improve on this football team. And quality depth, yes, Joey, but I also sit back and I find myself doing this a lot with the Houston Texans. 1-53, to 53, how talented are the Houston Texans? I mean, they're not top tier. No, I, no. But 1-3, to 1-5, to five, huh, they got some effing dudes. Yeah. And you saw that. J.J. Watt's sack starts the comeback on Saturday against the Bills. That sack holds him to a field goal. Now it's 16-0, still a two-possession game. And Watson and Hopkins do their thing down the stretch. So that's where I think it's quality depth. But now it's find me all pro-level talents at the really, really impactful spots. Nelson and Leonard studs hall of famers through their first two seasons and i know that might sound ludicrous but they are they are hall of fame caliber players through two years but one plays guard and the other plays linebacker like why houston is so successful is because they have a top five hell top two wide out and they have a top five pass rusher and they've got a quarterback that I, i guess we could argue if watson's like a top five quarterback in the league but he makes some freaking plays that you just can't teach Right, and, and, and that's where I feel like the Colts have got to get to. It's the guys that touch the ball or impact the those sorts of plays the most. They've got to be playing at a elite elite level for you because you don't look at Brissett, Hilton, or Houston and sit here and say that's an All Pro caliber player. Houston had a great season, mm-hmm. but it wasn't All Pro. Hilton obviously injuries played into it, and just. Even when he was healthy, the passing game couldn't get going, and obviously we've talked about Jacoby Brissett. So that's where I look at this offseason and where Ballard talked about 2019, and that's where I see the need to – you will see some turnover, and those are the areas that you have to, have to address. We'll get more questions about uh, that comment that he made about the one guy coming up in Twitter questions for sure, but another guy that's going to be really important about what's going to happen in the offseason is Jacoby Brissett. And I thought that – Looking back at what Ballard said, you mentioned candor, you mentioned honesty. I thought he was pretty open about what he thought of Jacoby moving forward. Yeah, and, and again, this is um, this is a tough thing to parse down, Joey. Chris Ballard talked for 72 minutes. He talked about Jacoby Brissett probably for over a third of those questions. You could probably find narratives in there that could get you to sway one way or the other. And so I think what we need to remember is Ballard is talking as of now. January 3rd, Jacoby Brissett is your starting quarterback. That is a fact. He was never going to say anything to pro draft of like, by golly, if we don't draft a quarterback in the first round, they might as well fire me. Like, he's not going to go there. Mm. And at the same time, he's not going to rip Jacoby Brissett publicly but I thought the press conference was another reminder of, like, they still really like Jacoby. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean 
they aren't going to draft a quarterback in round one. We're going to get into that. But they really, really like Jacoby Brissett. But Reich and Ballard like him better than the public narrative, or probably I, honestly, like him, to be frank. And I thought there were a couple of quotes that stood out. Now, when you say the jury is still out and you say Jacoby is our quarterback right now, like that screams, you know, Steve Kime, Josh Rosen from this time last year sure. before drafting Kyler Murray, that leaves you all the necessary outs that you should leave yourself. But then he also went into some some interesting quotes that I just want to make sure that we mention. And there's this narrative quote, Joey, that I can't get out of my head. And this was a little bit deeper into the presser. But Ballard said this. If all of a sudden things go a little bit differently here, we make a couple of catches, the Chargers, Miami, maybe we make a kick or two in a couple of games, and we're sitting here at 10 and 6. Is the narrative different? I've asked myself that. That was interesting to me. Yeah. And then he was very, very out there and staunch of like, I didn't give Bursette enough weapons. Look what happened in the first part of the season when he was a, and again, these are Ballard's words, when there was MVP chatter, which I still laugh at, versus late in the year. Remember when Peter King had Jacoby Brissett as third on his MVP ballot? I do. Remember it well. Boy. Um, And then Ballard talked about how later in the year those weapons obviously still weren't there, and Ballard takes blame for not giving him enough depth. So those quotes just stand out to me. And then they mention, of course, you know, he's still young and Ballard throws out 2017 out the window. Um, So, again, there was a lot there that they still really like. Having said all that, Ballard left himself plenty of wiggle room in that if there's an upgrade, they will try and make that upgrade happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess what I take away from that presser, Joey, is just – Another reminder that the Colts and Reich and Ballard still are big fans of Jacoby Brissett. Like, this season has not all of a sudden meant that, like, oh, my gosh, we need to cut Jacoby Brissett. Now, it has to be a reminder still of, like, you watch these playoffs. And, I mean, Joey, Buffalo, Kansas City, Baltimore, Houston. Four AFC teams, all with first-round quarterbacks in the last three years. The common trend, besides the first-round quarterbacks, all four of those teams, the year before they drafted a quarterback in round one, they had a winning record. Three of them made the playoffs. So despite a winning record, despite playoff appearances, they knew that they had to upgrade at the most important position on your roster. And they all did it in various Various degrees. Houston, Kansas City, trading way up. Baltimore, I think that was their second pick in the first round that year when they took Jackson at yep. 31 or 32. Uh, and then Josh Allen, Buffalo, I think moved up right after Indianapolis took took Nelson. So there are various ways to go about it. Um, and, and, you know, Ballard really wanted to drive home of, like, you cannot force drafting a quarterback. Yeah. And that is what I think ultimately we have to understand is the Colts have got to fall in love. No pun intended by that. They have to fall in love <laughs> with a QB because you look at this QB breakdown in this draft and you look at teams drafting, 
You know Burrow's going one. Detroit at three, maybe. Five, six, seven, those are three quarterback teams. Almost no questions asked, you feel like. Miami, uh, the Chargers, and um, the Panthers. Then you have Jacksonville at nine. I don't think they draft a quarterback just because, like, if I'm Doug Marone and David Caldwell, I'm like, uh, if we don't win right now, we're going to be fired. We have to hope Nick Foles or Gardner Minshew can get us to whatever is satisfactory. And then you look at uh, Oakland at 12. What happens with Derek Carr? So there are, I mean, that's seven teams. Let's say four of them take a quarterback. Now who are you drafting? Right. So that's where it's like you've got to be prepared to possibly move up if you fall in love with that guy. So, um, you know, Ballard didn't want to use injuries as an excuse for Brissett's big drop-off. Um. I don't know. Anything else jump out to you about what 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 he said about? I guess about the Jacoby? quote that yeah, I guess the quote that I just you know looked at the most was the jury's still out. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and then he mentioned this is kind of why we gave him a two year deal. Yeah, you know it's it, like either way, like you said, it left them w- wiggle room. Yeah, jury's still out, and if you can upgrade, they will upgrade. And you know, I think something that I've mentioned before in this podcast, but it kind of popped back in my mind last week is. You know, the Colts never traded Jacoby Brissett. Remember all that talk about, oh, this time last year. You know, what do you think about trading Jacoby? The trade offers were not very abundant around the league. Like, the Colts weren't shopping him, but there weren't a lot of inbound calls to West 56 either for Jacoby Brissett. So that's something to keep in mind. Um just about kind of how maybe the league views him. Yes, he was a third-round pick, but I don't know. Maybe what they saw in 2017 was was enough, even though the Colts want to kind of act like that that year wasn't doesn't really matter when they evaluate him. And I don't know. The more I the more I delve into Jacoby after the season, Joey, I just the Colts played a very the Colts played a pretty easy schedule. Mm-hmm. They played a very easy pass defense schedule their pass defense opponent pass defense was one of the easier schedules in the NFL and when you look at Bursette's completion percentage yards per attempt probably two stats that they certainly mean a whole lot to Frank Reich I mean Frank Reich talks about accuracy and yards per attempt all the time if you look at quarterbacks Joey that have had more than 50 pass attempts this season, Brissett ranks like mid-30s in both of those categories. If you're bad in completion percentage, okay, maybe your yards per attempt, maybe you're hitting some big chunks and that makes up for it. Vice versa. If you're low in yards per attempt, maybe you're a high percentage guy. Well, Brissett wasn't either. Mm-hmm. So that that just, I don't know, it just really stands out to me and – um. This morning, we're taping this on Monday morning, we had Mike Tannenbaum, former GM and ESPN insider now. We had him on the Fan Morning Show. He tweeted out completion percentage in the fourth quarter in overtime from Saturday night's game. Games, I should say. Watson, 90% in the fourth quarter in overtime. Tannehill, 67. Brady and Allen, I think, were 33. Mm, There you go. 
I think we were the first people to get on the fourth quarter narrative on Bursette. Just hasn't been there. 2017-2019. And whatever the Jacksonville game, you can look at it or not, two critical turnovers you know, in the fourth quarter of that game. It's just that moment, to me, matters so, so much. And I'm not sitting here acting like evaluating quarterbacks is easy. It is a very, very difficult job. But that's why you get paid the big bucks. And I think Ballard is never going to give us, he's never going to show us his cards when it comes to this quarterback stuff over the next few months. My takeaways, again, are they continue to really like Jacoby Brissett. They feel like if they put a little bit more around him, he could have and could be better. But if they fall in love with the quarterback over the next few months, I think they're going to make a move. Man, there's going to be so many of those puns. There could be, I potentially, know. leading up to April with old Jordan Love. I there's know. some interviews in. I mean, it's just... You can see being, the TV people just salivating yeah, right now. Yeah, it's going to be served up on a freaking platter. God. Looking forward to it. Ugh. One of the things besides, I think, you know, five, ten years from now, when you look back at the 2019 season, obviously, Andrew Luck retiring. That's going to be first and foremost. But then when you dig a little bit deeper, the season that Adam Vinatieri had is going to probably be the second or even 1B to Andrew Luck retiring, right? Couldn't agree more. Did you watch the uh, Sports Center kind of images of the decade video? Yeah. It was making the round. I mean, just... Inject that into my crazy, veins. yeah. I yeah, love it. Wild. I'm, I'm a huge, I'm a sucker for all that stuff. If I were going to make images of the 2019 Colts, one would be luck flanked by security in the t-shirt, jer- t-shirt, uh, not t-shirt jersey. That'd be really weird. If Andrew <laughs> Luck was wearing a t-shirt jersey. The old himself. jersey, yeah. Um, walking off the field in that preseason game, and the second one would be Vinatieri, hands on his hips, looking at the block field goal being returned for a touchdown. For sure. Those are my two images. Yep. Don't want to touch on it long. I was I was a bit shocked that Chris Ballard said he had no regrets over the Adam Vinatieri situation. Because, you know, Ballard, we are used to him being candid. Again, Ballard after 2017, what did he say he failed on? Offensive line wasn't good enough, and I mishandled the quarterback situation. So yep. he's been outspoken and admitted his failures before. I... <laughs> He said no regrets on Vinny. Didn't believe there were better options out there. I mean, it goes back to the there were options out there. Chase McLaughlin was out there in yep. week three. You brought him into your own building. We're not talking guys out there that are going to come in here and be a Pro Bowl kicker. We're talking guys out there that can go make an extra point. And that were that that to me was just, it sounded Grigson-like, to be honest with you. It sounded a bit stubborn of, hey, I'm not uh, – Trent Richardson can still play. Bjorn Werner can still play. No. You could have found other kickers that could have come in here and done a more consistent job, especially with extra points. Chase McLaughlin ended the year kicking great. I mean, you couldn't have asked, honestly, for a better performance from Chase McLaughlin having to replace Vinny and all of that. And the Colts have smartly re-signed him to a one-year deal. But... I don't know how you can't admit that that was a mishandling. You didn't make any changes to that unit. One of the worst units in NFL history. And you didn't make a single change? I was I was confused by that. I was, um, because I, I'm used to Ballard, again, being candid. I'm not used to him being like Grixon. Whereas Grixon just never would publicly admit 
any of his any of his mistakes right. and, and things like that. So, I mean, he didn't close the door shut either on Vinny not coming back. Love it. I mean, Got to have some more drama. Let's go. God, you made the emotional decision once already, right? Was well, luck shoulder down Vinny. Let's just keep it coming. Come on. So, hey. yeah, he said that he'll talk to Vinny at the end of, end of February, but in all seriousness, Joey, kudos to Chase McLaughlin. Kicked the ball really – I mean, think about that. You're Tough a spot. kicker. Yeah. You're replacing the kicker of all kickers. Individual sport – I'm not sure if there's a more equatable scenario. You know, yeah, you could be like – Jarrett Stidham coming to replace Brady or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, quarterback, it's still 10 guys around you. I mean, kicker, you're kind of out there all alone. Yep. It's an individual position in a in a very team sport. So, yeah, um, I, I just wanted to make sure that we threw that in there about Vinny. For sure. A lot of investment has been made on the defensive side of the ball, whether it be draft picks since, since Chris Ballard uh, took over. What were his thoughts on the 2019 defense? Yeah, two things really stood out to him, Joey, that were frustrating. Um, he sat down with Matt Eberflus. Um, no interviews for Eberflus and Sirianni. I don't think we're surprised by that at all. Both were requested for interviews last year. Sirianni said no to the Browns. Matt Eberflus said yes. Um, but, yeah, it looks like both those guys will be coming back. But, anyways, he sat down with Eberflus and said, more takeaways. Can't have the big plays. Now, fans will hate this comment, but Ballard is content with dink and dunk. Ballard is okay with watching offenses try to dink and dunk their way down the field. He's content with that. But it's the make more big plays, uh, excuse me, don't allow big plays, make more big plays via the turnover. That is where he wants his defense to get better. Um he was really disappointed with the second half of the season, as he should be. And, again, more that I've dove into these numbers in the offseason, you know, when the Colts were having success defensively this season, Joey, those offenses they were playing were just meh. They were just kind of okay. Maybe not even okay. Like, they just were kind of whatever. So... As you look ahead defensively, he wants to find players that take away the football. That sounds like the selection of Darius Leonard. And I think if there's a position he probably has his eye on the most, it's that defensive tackle three technique, that kind of off-ball defensive tackle. Don't think Grover Stewart. Think more Danico Autry, Tyquan Lewis body type. Uh, Think Warren Sapp, if you want to go back to the Tampa defenses. That's what he wants. Wants more interior pressure. You know, he, he harped on it a lot how much they missed the leadership presence of guys like Al Woods and Mike Mitchell. And I guess I agree with that. I think there's a balance you have to find of like having too many Mike Mitchells and Al Woods that are mm-hmm. just kind of guys versus, you know, having a bunch of young guys or whatnot. But, you know, Ballard mentioned. You know, there are times I look down on the field and we had too many rookies out there and, or, you know, just it was tough on our coaching staff with so many rookies. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, well, that's kind of the bed that you've decided to lay in. Like, you want to build through the draft. You don't want to use free agency mm-hmm. as much. So I, I don't know if you can use that 
as an excuse per se, and that's where I come back to, and we'll, we'll get into this more in the next segment, Joey, but does he alter the approach to free agency at all? You know, does he say, okay, not enough veteran leadership, too many rookies out there, do you try to tap into a little bit more of, you know, maybe not eight, ten-year veterans, but just more of guys that have finished a rookie contract elsewhere and have been on a winning team and can try and do that with with you. So, again, on the defensive side of the ball, wants to limit the big plays. Houston game obviously pissed him off. Wants to create more turnovers and uh, find that three technique. We all know how big of an offseason this is going to be. We've been talking about it. Feel like since mid December, once we kind of knew the end fate of this team for this year, what were his thoughts? Just previewing the next few months, coming up with the combine, the draft, free agency, all those kind of things. Well, he was asked specifically about the glaring holes, and, and that was the uh, the phrase used in a question to him. He didn't agree with the glaring holes sort of uh, label to be put on this roster. And glaring holes is probably a tad aggressive. But, I mean, there are some notable question marks at key positions. And this goes back to a you know a Twitter question we had a few weeks ago, Joey, where like someone was asking me, don't you feel like the Colts have a really, really bright future? And I was like, I think they have a bright future, but really, really bright. I don't know if we can sit here and say that with the utmost confidence, especially if Anthony Casanzo decides to retire. Because now all of a sudden, oh, yeah. you need quarterback, you need left tackle, you need defensive line help, you probably need a wideout. I mean, there is a lot that you will need that you could call a glaring hole or you could call yeah. at least a, a, a big, big question. Um, now, I thought an interesting comment that Ballard made too was his message to the to the locker room on uh, move out day, the Monday after the loss to Jacksonville, was we need more friction inside the locker room. Friction is an interesting word to use. Um, he likes the locker room. He likes the high character, but I think he felt like there wasn't enough of, hey, this guy's slacking. Get on that guy. So I think there's got to be some internal accountability within the locker room of guys, you know, for lack of a better phrase, Joey, kind of calling out other guys. You know, I know full well Andrew Luck was not pleased with the work ethic of Eric Ebron. Not pleased at all. Like those sorts of things. Do you do something about that inside your locker room? Did he voice that? I don't mean to backtrack, but did he voice that to him or is that more of just a – you know, I, I I definitely know he voiced it to the powers that be. Um, clearly, he still got Ebron to perform yeah, at, at an adequate enough level. Wouldn't have thought, yeah. And th- it kind of goes back to remember when Devin Funches and Jacoby Brissett had that spat on the practice field mm-hmm, mm-hmm. back in May. It's kind of like, do you have enough guys that have the respect on field and vocally of the locker room? The Colts, I think, have some leaders and have some leaders by example. But, you know, Houston and Hilton and Nelson, Costanzo, I don't know if those are, um, you know, if, if, if those are definitely 
the vocal hold you accountable with my words type of leaders, you know? Yeah. I, I'm just not sure if that's – so, again, it, it's all about finding the balance between choir boys and they're going to behave off the field and they're going to work, you know, hard to, okay, let's make sure when adversity hits, we can we can make sure that everyone is on edge a little bit. And if you're not working to the level that you feel like is adequate enough, you go ahead and publicly state that. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Lastly, before we move on, let, let, let's get into quarterback and drafting a quarterback here and the few questions Ballard answered on that. For one, he mentioned character was the biggest trait he looks for in a QB. And I think that character falls into leadership and how important that is to that position. So I think now we, we're starting to get a bit of a description of what a quarterback looks like in the Colts' eyes. High character and leadership, for sure. So those are like the intangible, non-throwing like division. And then as a as a actual on-field throw of the football, Reich has mentioned accuracy, elite level, the cognitive ability to dissect, know where to go with the ball. Sirianni has mentioned that. And I think after that, you do kind of get into – creating a playoff script. But I, that doesn't seem to me as big of a deal to the Colts as maybe it is for other teams. You know what that sounds like? Who you got? Sounds like Joe Burrow. <laughs> sounds like it's time to uh, to, to sell the farm because f- those three things you just said are all Joe Burrow. You just got me to have my first snort of the 2020 season <laughs> there, and that's a laughing snort. Um, wow. Joe Burrow's good, man. How about Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence in those playoff games? Unreal. The, those environments. That that's why that's why I look at Watson and think to myself, how did he not go higher in the draft? Mm. Like on the grandest stage in college football. And that's why I think it's so hard to project quarterbacks because what was the biggest game Patrick Mahomes played in? Maybe like the Belk Bowl or something. You know, like exactly. Like whereas Watson's on this state, like and same thing with like evaluating Jordan Love and comparing him to even like Jake Fromm or or Tua, who have been on bigger stages. But then you've got this Love guy that, hell, the biggest crowd he's probably played in front of is like twenty thousand mm-hmm. or a road game at Boise. You know, like that. That's it. So I'm going down a rabbit hole, but um, that's kind of the sort of uh, painting of what the quarter what the Colts look for in a quarterback. Ballard said they aren't going to handle quarterback scouting any differently this year. They always scout quarterbacks. They like to have intel not only on that position, but also when they're going up against um, other, you know, other other quarterbacks. They know what type of character they have and whatnot. Where I would disagree with that is, you can't tell me you won't bring in a few more marquee quarterbacks for like combine interviews, top thirty visits, those sorts of things. You know, a little bit more of one-on-one, in-person interaction between the people that matter in your organization. Reich, Ballard, mm-hmm. Ed Dodds, hell, Ursay. I mean, you're drafting a quarterback in round one. I think Jim Ursay would like to meet him before April 23rd. Yeah. Um, And then lastly, you know, he made it pretty clear. You can't force the evaluation of a quarterback. Can't do it. And I And I get that. 
And I certainly see that out. Um, like, to me, deep down, I feel like the Colts look at Brissett as this. He's probably not a top 10 guy. But he's not, like, 30th in the league bad. Having said that, they won't give up the draft capital just to do it. They won't trade up to five just to think they have the guy. No, no, no. If they're going to make a move, it's going to be why Houston traded up or Kansas City traded up. That's Or L.A. or Philly. Yeah, yes, right, with, with uh, Goff and, and Wentz. And, and remember, Frank Reich was a part of the Philly operation. Now, he had just taken, I think, the offense coordinator job there a few months earlier, but he had definitely had a say in Carson Wentz when they traded up. And Ballard was a part of a, a regime in Chicago, not very high level, but you know made a move for, for Jay Cutler. So those are just some of the things to keep in mind, quarterback, draft-wise. Any other personnel thoughts before we get into our first Twitter questions of 2020? Um, Yeah, I know we're running a little bit long here on this first segment. You know, Anthony Costanzo, man. So I remember maybe one or two years ago talking to someone that I really wouldn't consider like a direct ownership source, but someone that at least indirectly has some ties to the ownership. And I feel like if there was a player out there, that was kind of when you saw like Chris Borland come out and retire, and like oh, yeah, kind of yeah. early on in those, wow, these are some young guys deciding to retire. Like it kind of got brought up just in conversation, like, oh, you think of anybody in the Colts that would do that? Anthony Costanzo was probably the one name hmm. that I think was mentioned. Um, now again, that was really just kind of off the cuff and not a lot of like deep validity to it, but it made sense to me. Casanzo has gone out of the Silicon Valley seemingly every offseason. Yep. And, you know, Boston College guy and some crazy major that I would have failed out of by, you know, September 8th of my freshman year. But it it is – it's not the most stunning thing to me that he's at least pondering it. Now, I thought Rusty Jones coming in, his body feeling better, you know, the whole rejuvenated sense, I felt like that might extend his career. But that thought always been in the back of my head – it was a reason why, Joey, last last year, this time, I was kind of trying to stand on the table to draft a tackle higher than round seven. It's just, it's too important of a spot, and the NFL has evolved, and college football has evolved, to where ready-made tackles. Yeah, it takes a while. It takes a while. It takes a while. So, God, that is a, I mean, that is so big. Nelson said it on, on move-out day. Like, my first five games as a rookie – when Costanzo wasn't in there, it was totally different from the last, you know, twenty some games with Costanzo in there. So And that's funny because there were a lot of people when we posted about what Costanzo said that were like, Oh, Nelson just makes him the the left tackle he is. So hearing that from Nelson, you know, would would dispar that a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. Uh the Eric Ebron comment was L O L. We'll probably move on. <laughs> what what happened? B- Ballard. Oh, oh! I thought you said. I, I thought you're okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, that yeah, was yeah. great. Yeah, Just, nah, yeah, yeah. And then Ebron following up with the uh, the peace picture. Yeah. On on Twitter, I was like, "Good riddance, dude." I'm like, yeah. I was uh, I was over you halfway through 2018 when you were even <laughs> playing well. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, Tyquan Lewis needs to show up. Big year for him, 2020. We talk extensions, Joey. We'll get into this a little bit more in future podcasts. Mac Kelly Hooker. Those are the three names most mentioned. 
I say Matt Kelly before Hooker for sure. Um, wide out, they're still encouraged by Fun or by Campbell. When we talk Funches, I think that's the most interesting case study for free agency. I know he wanted to come here because of luck, so maybe he doesn't even want to come back. But look at that wideout group in free agency. Boys and girls, it's a sorry group. You can only fill so many needs, you know? I'm not sold on Funches. I'm not acting like, oh my gosh, it's a no-brainer to bring him back, but... I didn't see anything too alarming. I mean, he played three quarters. Like, I mean, how the hell are we going to accurate judge him on 2019? But I just, let's not, let's not kind of write that off just yet. You know, Ballard acted like Quincy Wilson. This is a big, big year for him coming up. So, I I mean, I I can't believe Quincy Wilson could still make it to September. Uh, Needs to see more out of Ture and Banigou. Pierre to see her a little bit up and down. Uh, Ture, he definitely likes those flashes. Don't don't get me wrong. Um, thought he was our best pass rusher, which is something that we've talked about before, how big of an injury that was. But now it's like, all right, next jump, double-digit sacker, stay healthy. Yeah. Can you show it you're a three-down guy? All those things. So, What about uh, Rakicin? Anything, Ricky, first Yeah, pick? you know, I, I feel like they, they are pleased with Rock. You know, that he was kind of thrown into the fire, baptism by fire. Um, you know, I've mentioned it before in this podcast. Hey, competition at Presbyterian and Temple looks a little different than what you're going to see on a Sunday afternoon. Sure. Um, who burned? Was it Shark that burned him in the uh, in the Jacksonville game? That game since it seems like it was six months. I was going to say I totally wiped that from my yeah, memory. Um, as you should. So yeah, um, I I think they were pleased overall. I know that might rub some fans the wrong way. You know, there were a couple of moments that he definitely struggled, but. It was not all horrible from uh, Rocky scene. All right, man. You want to do uh, first 2020 Twitter questions? Let's get into them. All right. Let's go with Mike. First of 2020, you said all along it's not just about one guy, but you returned 21 of 22 starters, save Andrew Luck, and your team fell apart. How do you now assess the worth of the quarterback position? He's not talking to you, right? Talking to Chris Ballard there. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would put it (laughs) – I think it matters a ton. I mean, I, 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 I think I've stressed that a ton. I think it, you know, on a one to ten scale, I think quarterback's like a nine or a ten, and, and maybe Ballard doesn't view it that highly, but I just think in this league, it's that guy touches the ball in every freaking play, and it just means so so much to you and to your entire franchise, entire operation, both sides of the ball, fan base, everything. So, um. Yeah, I, I, I do wonder if this year and, I guess, Ballard's experiences in time have changed maybe that initial. I get publicly saying it's not about one player, but I also understand behind the scenes being like, man, we've got to use resources to where our actions might say it's about one player. Uh, from Dylan, with how poor special teams did overall this year, is Bubba Ventrone in the conversation of someone being fired? You know, if you're going to make me pick one coach that I could see, it'd probably be him. I also think this, Joey, of like, how much do you blame Bubba Ventrone for Adam Vinatieri's right leg falling apart? Yeah, you know it's like it's not like you got gashed in coverage. Yes, you were poor in some blocking, which is a big issue. You had the number one punt return unit in the NFL. Um, you were pretty good in like the hidden yardage. So it's not as obvious of like 
oh, hell yeah, you you fire him. And I think we've talked about this before. I feel like he's kind of a scapegoat almost if you do sure. do that. Because, again, the, the, the few times I talked to him this year, I kind of got the impression walking away he was like, dude, he's a Hall of Fame kicker. What, am, what can I do to help him? change he's old he's hurt <laughs> you know it's like one of those things yeah um coaching changes are weird you know last year you had tom manning the tight ends coach go back to college to be an offensive coordinator Gouge got fired um i don't see like one position group that i'm just like oh my gosh you 100 percent have to fire that coach but uh, i bowed and Riker definitely evaluating everything from brogan says what position not player position to pick an order and why that order never believe a player's musings at year end so let's assume that costanzo is coming back for this question keep up the good work okay let's go first couple picks uh i go qb round one love it i go um d line first pick around two why would that be no trade this is assuming no no, trade. yeah let's not let's not complicate things too much let's go qb at pick 13 pick 34 that early second rounder Let's go with the D lineman and let's go wide out at 46. You come back in the third round then. Um, D line again or uh, offensive tackle. C- corner and tight end aren't, aren't far behind that though. From Craig, do you think Ballard's position on free agency versus saving? draft capital is too one-sided if the Colts had done more around the trade deadline especially at receiver and D-line or even kicker could they have made the playoffs um hmm well kicker maybe I guess after the trade deadline you had the Pittsburgh game and Miami game um yeah possibly you know I I don't know how much you were going to get trade deadline wise that you're you're gonna have to give up a lot I don't think I was like staying, you know, Hilton gets hurt, what, the day after the trade deadline ends? I'm pretty sure that's what happened. It was like trade deadline's Tuesday, Hilton injures his calf on Wednesday in practice. So it's kind of hard to say that. Um, I think when where Ballard's really frustrated is with more so the lack of the offseason help to create the quality depth for his roster. From Kit, can you grade Ballard's decision to move out of the first round? Who we could have got versus who we did. Oh, boy. That's, that's an interesting one, Kit. Um, let me look up what Montez Sweat had this year. I think he had a pretty good rookie year. Because, I mean, that's that, that that's what it came down to. You know, you and I did the podcast, Joey. Yep. The night of that draft. All right, Sweat had seven sacks. That's, that's really good for a rookie. Um, and eight tackles for loss. So that's a pretty good year. Uh, he had an old spice deal. I mean, I know his last name helps in that regard, but oh, you know, you yeah. gotta be worth something at least to for have, sure. you know. For sure. Good for him. Yeah, that's a great marketing ploy. Uh so you traded back, you got Rock, you got who's the additional second round pick? Was it Campbell, maybe, or was it I don't know. I'd have to dive deeper into it. You know, if the 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 final grade on that sort of trade we probably won't know, honestly, until this year's draft is complete, Joey. And more so, like, five years down the road. Let's say you use that 34th pick and trade up to number four and get your franchise quarterback for the next 10 years. I don't care if Montez Sweat has 10 sacks every year. That's a win. So it's all going to come down to what you do probably more so with that 34th pick and how that impacts your few. But, hey, 
Montez Sweat, which again, the Colts pretty much red flag medically. Um, that's a pretty good rookie season for him. I think he was healthy as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from, let's see, Mitch. Uh, he says this one's not about glow. So, no uh, Mark this, Lewinsky. He's here. the guy that always asks about glow. Yeah. Lewinsky. What is this team's record if Chase took over kicking after the Denver game? After Denver. So, that would have been Pittsburgh and Miami. Um, yeah, probably two more wins. Maybe it's premature. Maybe only one more win. I mean, certainly eight and eight, uh, possibly nine and seven. But again, the real question is, what if he takes over after week two, when Vinny, you know, had the first issues? Yeah. Um, I guess you really didn't lose. I'm trying to think of the games you lost during that stretch. Um, let me pull up the schedule. Yeah, I I don't think anything too drastic. It would definitely be a win or two higher than what you had. Um, I feel bad for those people, Joey, that had under seven and a half wins for the Colts. Mm. I mean, that looked like a slam dunk for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you lost to Oakland by seven. I don't think I don't think Vinny missed a kick in that game. So, yeah, I, I would say probably eight and eight, maybe, maybe nine and seven. From Old Daner, I don't know if you're doing – well, we are doing that. So here's a question for the end-of-season recap he wants to know. Is the regression of Hooker directly linked to Eberflus' Tampa 2 scheme, also DB development in general? Hooker isn't even attempting to attack the ball. Yeah, I mean, it was just a solid season from Malik Hooker. That's how Chris Ballard labeled it. You know, when he was asked about Ryan Kelly and Marlon Matt getting extensions, he, he gushed about those two and – didn't have the same sort of words for um for Hooker. So I, I you know, at times I felt like scheme hurts him in this system. Now they did do some things differently. They moved him up to the line of scrimmage. They tried to get him around the ball a little bit more. There were still some times where I just felt like there was way too much miscommunication at the back end of your defense, and that allowed a lot of those big plays. So um yeah, I I, I think it's I think it is a little bit of scheme related. Um but I also think like Hooker has got to have he's got to have more of a knack for knowing where that ball is going to be, expecting where that ball is going to be. You got I mean I think what makes great safeties truly elite is you can predict where that ball is coming. You know, there's that Ed Reed clip going around right now on the internet with um with Peyton where he picks off Peyton in a game and he purposely played the wrong coverage in a game like two weeks before playing the Colts, Manning expected that coverage and Reed flipped it at the last second. And it's a great NFL film sort of cover or a sort of background video of like, and I, I'm saying like, we don't need Hooker to go to that extent, but you just have to have a little bit more instinctualness from him to find the ball, go get the yeah. ball. And I know part of this defense is he's, he's just supposed to be the last line of, um, the last line of defense as well. So, this is a big year for Malik Hooker. I mean, you don't look at him at all and say slam dunk, second contract extension. You don't say slam dunk, you don't re-sign him either. I, I would give him the fifth-year option. You have to do that by May. I would go ahead and do that, but very important season coming up here in year four. I like this one. This is from Michael. Is it normal for a GM to openly say they'll be moving on from a player like Ballard did about Ebron? I feel like there was bad blood there. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> there's definitely bad blood. Um. I wouldn't say normal. There's definitely been GMs that I think have done that. Um, but, I mean, 
Yeah, that that was just a funny moment to me. Because it's like, what were we even saying for the last two months? Like, I mean, the Colts were extremely disappointed and frustrated by how Eric Ebron handled the end to his 2019 season. And that's about in politically correct ways I can say it. And Ballard's words say enough. I mean, four words. We will probably move on. Five words. Yep. See ya. Ebron says deuces. From Colin, I hear you talking about loving what Taysom Hill was doing for the Saints on the morning show. Check out Lynn Bowden from Kentucky. Wide receiver turned QB at the beginning of the year due to Terry Wilson's injury. I think he could be the next Taysom. Lynn is not as big as Taysom, but I think he could do that dual threat player Reich would love. Right now, Lynn is projected third roundish. Joey, I got a man crush on Taysom Hill. After yesterday, a lot of people do. I was going to say, I got a lot of competition, don't I? Yeah. It's fun to watch him play. I I find it, and it's something I like about Sean Payton, I find it fascinating that on a 46-man dressing roster, you can find a player like that, and you use him in so many ways. I mean, Sean Payton has talked about him possibly being the franchise quarterback at some point. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going there, but, like, the dude throws a 50-yard pass. He blocks for Kamara on the next play, and he's running down on kickoff coverage. Purely putting, purely entertainment aside, because I was just entertained by it yesterday. The dude's a damn good football player, and he, if the Saints would have won, they would have played Green Bay, I think they would have. Yeah. Green Bay would have had to game plan for Taysom Hill a chunk of the week. Mm -hmm. Like, that just makes your opponent have to add a totally different package or element of like, Oh my God! Seven's on the field. We're changing it up. We're doing this. We're doing that. Um, and I've I've watched Lynn Bowden. Hell, me and my buddies bet on Kentucky in that bowl game. We're so happy they pulled it out. Yeah, he would be a guy that I'd probably throw throw in there. So the Colts have a lot of needs this off season. I don't know if one of those includes finding you know, a Taysom Hill, finding yeah. a Taysom Hill, and finding a gadget player. But having said that, like, I think it's something to where. If I'm Frank Reich watching that, how is that not intriguing? Oh, man. Taysom sure. Hill. Give me give me more of that. All right, from Stan Cal. Just as a casual football fan, what are some of your thoughts on the teams from this past weekend, especially with regards to their quarterbacks and team-building strategies? I think Josh Allen and Buffalo are a fascinating bunch. Minnesota is a weird construction with its quarterback and roster setup. Buffalo, Joey, man, I I loved uh, watching that game early on and just how much they were doing, like, pre-snap motion, horizontally, like, trying to get the defense off on their heels. Um, They know they don't have elite offensive personnel, and Allen needs some fine-tuning, but they didn't put too much on his plate. They eased him into the games. He made some great throws, and then fourth quarter came, and he started to pee down his leg a little bit, so... I like what, I mean, Buffalo, God, they got a great defense, man. They do. They just fell apart. Uh, Minnesota, I don't know, man. I don't love, should they have held on to Bridgewater? I mean, I, I feel like. Didn't at they the, get to the playoffs with Bridgewater? I feel like at the time, it was the right decision for them. It was kind of like the right time for Cousins to leave Washington? Yep. Yeah. Uh, who else? Russell Wilson stud. Carson Wentz trading up. Watson trading up. Tannehill. <laughs> Man, Ryan, that's crazy. You ever seen Ryan Tannehill's wife? Yeah. 
that was a big thing when he was coming out. I think because they were either dating or engaged or something when he mm-hmm. was coming out in Lux draft. Yeah. Uh, but Tennessee, man, they're just what a what a what a story, what a ride this year's been for them. Four straight years at nine and seven for the Titans. Mm-hmm. If you're a Colts fan right now, I feel like you you're kind of bittersweet about what just happened over the weekend. Yeah. The sweetness is you love the Patriots' loss. You, you know you're doing your ticket tape parade around you know Monument Circle and whatnot. And maybe you like that you were close to beating those AFC South teams and they both won. But I feel like you're almost bitter that the AFC South teams did what they did because in Tennessee, four straight years of at least nine wins, two of those years they won road playoff games. Houston has won the division four out of the last five years. Like, winning 16 straight in this division is out that window. I mean, the Colts are no longer – you haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. Yeah. Like, you got to reestablish yourself in this division. So, yeah, Stan, I know I'm forgetting one game that I haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Tannehill, Brady. Yeah, I, 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 I'm team draft a quarterback. That's what I am. From Sam, if the Bucks cut Jameis for some reason, would you kick the tires on signing him? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Um like I've said, I feel like I have this kind of uh, an aversion to free agent drafted quarterbacks or uh, free agent veteran quarterbacks. Yeah, I just there's a reason they're out there. I mean, thirty thirty club for Jameis. Yep. <laughs> From Zach, do you see any positional coaches being on the hot seat? It's hard for me to say. I mean, Bubba Ventrone again. That would be the popular name, but outside of that, I really think that they like a lot of their staff. You know, if you're really going to make me pay, I'd say one coach leaves. Um, it's just hard to see total continuity coming back, but I, I don't have a great feel for who or what position that might be. Mm. I saw a rumor if, like, McDaniels gets the job in Cleveland, Jonathan Gannon, who's currently the Colts' DB's coach, would go be his defensive coordinator. Hmm. I think they were – Gannon was a scout with the Rams back when McDaniels coached the Rams for – that minute, didn't oh, even man. know that Gannon was on that. Yeah, I know. I, I really had to dive <laughs> deep into that. From Lucas, uh, Lucas Robbins, with the Patriots picking higher in the first than ever, or at least since 2007, and Tom Brady potentially leaving in free agency, should the Colts pick best position available? I pick 13, and then trade up in the first round ahead of the Pats for a potential quarterback. Well, if you're going to do that, you better be content with probably getting the fourth or fifth quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I know it doesn't seem like a slam dunk that, like, all four of these guys go in the top whatever, eight, ten, but that's just kind of how quarterbacks are. I mean, like, teams. (laughs) They reach. Yes, they reach. Thank you. Um, I don't know what the hell you're going to do if if Costanza retires. Like, where do you find a left tackle? Yeah. Trouble. That's trouble. You got to hope that. A free agent, right? I mean, at that point. Yeah, but, man, that's, that's tough. I mean, that's. Or you got to draft, like, Wisconsin's left tackle with pick <laughs> right, 13. Right, right. That, I mean, that, that that's tough to predict, you know, a free agent being, you know, coming in and getting to the open market and all that stuff. So, yeah, maybe a trade. Our guy, Zach, hey, Kevin, more likely scenario, A, the Colts draft a quarterback, B, sign a free agent, or C, they pass on a QB and roll with Brissett. Oh, A, A, without a doubt, draft a quarterback. I, I'd be, I'd be. S- I'd be shocked, Joey, if they didn't draft a quarterback. First round? No, no, no. Draft. Just, just draft. Okay. You know, at some point. Yeah, I mean, 
To me, the debate is less of if the Colts will draft a quarterback. It's more of when will they draft a quarterback or how early they will draft a quarterback. I, I just posted something on 1075thefan.com today. Quarterback questions. Like, there's a lot of quarterback questions for this team outside of just what you think of Jacoby Brissett. Mm-hmm. What do you do with Hoyer? What's Chad Kelly's future? Like, those sorts of things. So, check out that article on, on 1075thefan.com. From Andrew, in your mind, what was the biggest contributor to the defensive collapse in the second half of the season? Is it correctable? And what can be done to improve that side of the ball next year? Boy, Andrew, it's a good question. I mean, I I know the loss of Kenny Moore was big. Um, but, damn, does Kenny Moore mean that much? Like, I mean, that's just crazy how you fell apart. And Moore was hurt. Tennessee game, I want to say it was, and then he didn't play the rest of the season. Um I still go back to scheme. You know, I, I think the scheme has got to evolve. I think you've got to see more. Um, and, and I also think personnel is just kind of, you know, in this defense, you've got to have elite elite personnel. And I, I just think that this personnel is just, it's Leonard and Houston and more. That's about it. Yep. You know, and it's, you know, you can choose not to throw it Kenny Moore. You can choose to chip to Justin Houston. Like, there's just not a lot of, like, just straight-up dudes on that side of the ball. At Colts fan 3132 wants to know, could Chris treat this draft like he did with Big Q? Identify the QB he wants, stay as far away as possible, and then take him on draft night. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, if Chris Bauer's going to draft a quarterback, that's the approach. That will be, like, a the most mysterious visit ever. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I'd be stunned if there are like a lot of tea leaves that we look back on after the draft and be like, oh, that's why they drafted Tua. <laughs> like, I really don't think it'll be like, that's why they traded up to get whoever. Like, that big coming up in less than an hour though. When, when we're recording yeah, right, right now, Tua's yeah. going to make his yeah, hell. choice. So. Disregard that if Tua comes back to Alabama. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, from Sam, bigger need for 2020 quarterback or a defensive line slash improved pass rush oh quarterback yeah yeah i mean quarter yeah quarterback touches it on on, on every, every every play but you know ha- having said that like i don't want to disregard left tackle and defensive line joey i mean those are extremely big obviously if kasan's retired uh, extremely big needs huge needs defensive line massive 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 need like I mean, that play that Jeffrey Simmons made against Ted Karras on the goal line to blow up that play. I mean, that's a it's a drive that we won't talk about, won't show up on a sports center highlight, but like that's a goal line situation where the Patriots could have gone up 17-7. Simmons, first round pick, blows it up. Derrick Henry gets the ball, and they drive 75 yards all on Derrick Henry's shoulders. And now it's 14-13 at halftime. The game's totally changed. Yeah. Like you get a disrupted offensive lineman. Remember you and Coach Venturi were both really high on Simmons. Yeah, intrigued by that. Year. You know, and, and you, you see it firsthand with Cameron Hayward. Yep. You, you got a dude in there. Yep, all pro. Uh, from Anton, uh, see, this noise all got started last week. I think Colin Cowherd, maybe. There's a few people who are all painting this picture that this could happen. Anton asks, do you think Chris Ballard would sign Tom Brady considering that most fans don't like the idea? Personally, I love the move, 
takes the heart out of your biggest rival. <laughs> Is it a rivalry anymore? It, yeah. There's no, yes no. There's hatred. No and yes. There's hatred. It's a one-sided rivalry. From this side of it, but, you know, you haven't beat him in over 10 years. So, um, do people really want Brady or Rivers? Like, I, I all of a sudden I see all these pieces, and, like, I mean, call me crazy. I think Brady's dead. I think he's I I think he's on whatever. Yeah. I think he's walking up the seventeenth hole right now, and there's nobody waiting on the eighteenth tee, and that eighteenth hole is coming quick. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's got one more in him if you have better offensive personnel around him. But like, dude, all I saw was a bunch of screen passes Saturday night. <laughs> like, please Rex Burkhead, please James White, can you get fifteen yards for it? like? Yeah. And I get it. They lost a lot in personnel, but I just don't see... If you look at Brady or Rivers' numbers from last season and compare them to Jacoby Brissett, they're all dead even. I mean, those numbers are not impressive. Rivers, I think, had a better, had more picks, but like a better yards per attempt. I mean, it is not pretty... Like, that, to me, is stopgap, maybe one year, maybe two years, no guarantee of a Super Bowl with either of them. And now, all of a sudden, you're having the same question in two years that you have right now. And maybe now you're drafting at 24 because you won 10 games instead of being at 13 where you are now. I just, when I hear the phrase, sustained success, Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers ain't achieving that for me. No. You think TB will go out west then? I think he wants to stay in Foxborough. Really? But I don't think Belichick wants him. Yeah, I think they're kind of over it. Now, if you're Belichick and you sit there at 21, you think, all right, loaded receiver class. I mean, like, if I'm Belichick, I almost look at it like, why do I want to keep on coaching after Brady? Maybe to prove it to the rest of the league that I'm not just Brady? But, like, is Jarrett Stidham the answer? Guess we don't know. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't. I mean, he's not Garoppolo, Probably at least, like, like, that highly thought of, at least. So Why is this a thing, though? Like, why, why, why are these... You know, national people. Because of Reich. They think that those quarterbacks would like to play for a well-respected offensive mind that played the position. I purely think that's that's the reason why. Hmm. Now, if you're Brady and you look at this Colt skill group, you're going to say, what? what? I right. mean, yeah, you're behind a better offensive line, but, like, I mean, until I see improvements at receiver and, like, tight end even, um, besides Doyle, you got nothing, really. Yeah. So, I just... I don't know. I mean, would Brady be an upgrade over Bursette? I'm I'm sure if you're trying to go win, like, just in 2020, yeah. But to me, that seems like super stopgappy and no guarantee. Tom Brady does not come on the Colts and win a Super Bowl with this roster. No. I don't know. It's just interesting to see people who are saying, like, some one guy was like, Colts, Brady, collision course, something like that. I was like, I don't – I mean – I think it's funny. Well, I like to play along with it, but I don't really know. You would if that have makes to be sense. making a ton of changes to get a Super Bowl caliber team, and you're going to have the question very soon. Same question that we're having right now. Mm-hmm. Brady's not playing until he's fifty. I know he thinks he might be. Yeah, he's forty. He'll be forty-three in August. Yeah, TB12 ain't doing. And River, I mean, was Rivers going to bring all ten kids to Indy? Yeah, that's another one where I was just like, I mean, and, and it, that that that's the right connection. Directly. Sure, sure. But if it's between the two of them, you have to like it, it, if it was just between the two, no other factors. You'd have to go with Brady though, still, right? 
Yes. Yeah, even though Rivers is younger. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I could, my heart couldn't take Phillip Rivers being the quarterback in Indianapolis. Can you imagine how many times it'd be 20-17, to 17, and here comes Phillip Rivers on the field with 2.30 to go. See if he can lead his team on a comeback. Yeah. Well, pick six. I mean, you still have to feel pretty decent that up until December. Of, you know what I mean? If you had Brady, it's not going to happen. I don't know. It's just fun to talk about, I guess. But we've said never about a whole lot of things. I know. You can't rule it out. Who I just, knows? I keep on going back to, and this is more of a Colts term than a my term, the sustained success term. For sure. That that term does not equate to Brady or Rivers. That term equates to, I'm a head coach, and I'm going to be fired next year. I'm a GM. I'm going to be fired next year. All eggs in, in the basket right now. Does sustained success apply to Jacoby Brissett having another shot in 2020, though? That's fair. Um, I don't think it should. That's just why because I'm like, he's within your own, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I, I, I definitely hear you out. That's why I'm like, maybe Brissett 2020, draft a quarterback as well, and then once that quarterback becomes your full-time starter in 2021, that's when sustained success starts. And you hope that... Again, the four AFC teams in the last three years have made the playoffs with rookie contract quarterbacks of Allen and Jackson and Mahomes yeah. and and Watson. So, like, honestly, Bursett is, what, 16 years younger than Brady? Bursett's 27. Yeah. I mean. Crazy. Well, I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you want that if you're talking about the next five to ten years? Uh, from Daniel, I like this one. He says, John Lynch said when he took over the 49ers, his first order of business was establishing a Super Bowl caliber defensive line. How far are the Colts from this, and do you agree with this as first priority? Ooh, that is a good one. Um, thank you, Daniel. Um, uh, I think it's pretty high up there. I don't know if it's as high up as San Francisco has made it believe. Now, it's hard to argue with number one overall seed out west. I mean, what, they spent top 10 picks on the D-line? Was it three straight years? Buckner, Thomas, Bosa. Oh, four. Uh, Armstead. Armstead. Two. Yeah, I mean. Um, so, yeah, I, it's up there. And how far are the Colts are away? They are far away. I mean, they are not. No, I mean, they not at all. I mean, you know, do you bring back Sheard? Uh, Houston is in the final year of his contract now. I mean, can Ture play on multiple downs? Can he stay healthy? Same thing for um, uh, Banigou. You know, what's Tyquan Lewis's future? So, you know, Grover Stewart's been a nice find in the fourth round. But, yeah, I mean, you are uh, – you're, you're, you're several draft pick free agents away from doing that. From Isaac, what was the flaw or flaws in Metcalf and all the other breakout rookie receivers when we took Paris Campbell? Oh, boy. Um – well, Metcalf specifically, and I mean, hell, Joey, I think I was wrong on Metcalf. I think I was kind of anti him as well. Um, there was inconsistency in just the amount of production he had at Ole Miss. Obviously, they had A.J. Brown as well, so it's a pretty good duo, and that is probably a reason why, what's his name, just got fired from Ole Miss. Um, I would say what shied the Colts away from Metcalf and what got them enamored with Campbell is purely skill sets. Funchess was signed. That is big body. Metcalf is big body. I think that's where Metcalf was crossed off the list. And, and trust me, there might have been other things that crossed Metcalf off the list before that. I think there were some maturity questions as well about him. 
And, I mean, when you look at it on paper, Hilton's skill set, Funch's big body, Paris Campbell's speed, that make uh, that makes a whole lot of sense. So I don't, you know, I don't totally just disregard the Colts' thinking. Obviously, like you said, there were other wideouts and Terry McLaurin and A.J. Brown that had some big, big rookie years, and I'm probably forgetting one more. Did Harmon have a big year for Kansas City? Somebody else, I think, had a big rookie season at wideout. But, um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I think the Colts are thinking. From Benji, said Jacoby Brissett had a pretty decent deep ball in 2017, yet there was no sign of it this year. What were the main contributors to the lack of downfield threat? Hilton's injuries, scheme, Brissett regression? Um. Yeah, Hilton injury, scheme for sure, um, willingness to chuck it deep. You know, I don't know if the protect the football mantra got so ingrained into Brissett's mind that you know he just had a reluctancy to throw it down the field. But, yeah, I mean, there were still a couple balls late in the year that he threw just great deep balls, just good-looking deep balls, like not deep balls that seem to flutter in the air like some of these other QBs I'm watching. But, um yeah, I, I think those were the main reasons. From at Indy Colts 1956, far-fetched hypothetical, Colts must see something in Kelly to have kept him on the 53-man roster. Realizing if he were number two, they were only an injury away from him as a starter. Any possibility Ballard considered him as good as a gamble as anyone coming out in the 2020 draft? Um, You know, it, it's it's not the mo- it's not the craziest question. I Again, I would be very surprised if the Colts made it through the 2020 draft and didn't take a QB. I would be. Um, you know, Kelly is clearly someone that, like like, uh, like the question said, they thought highly enough to keep him on their 53-man roster for the entire year and and want to still further develop. But um, I, I just don't think – I think you got to have a homegrown talent that you try to develop. You know, I, I've said it before – Colts haven't drafted a quarterback since 2012. Luck, obviously, and then Chandler Harnish, final final pick of the draft. Every other team in the NFL has drafted a quarterback since. Every other team. It's time for the Colts to go ahead and do that. You know, you can like Chad Kelly. You can think they're still there. But I think you want a player that checks Brian Decker's box with high character, checks Sirianni's box and Reich's box, all these boxes. And you get in here and you see if you can develop. Two more. From Curtis, if Costanzo were to retire, I hope he doesn't, what are the Colts' best options for left tackle? Pray. <laughs> yeah. Or I mean, Christ. seriously. Yeah, he's a pastor, so get it going. Well, Raven Clark didn't play in one game this season, Joey. Oon game. That's kind of hard to do. You're on the 53-man roster for the whole year, and you aren't a third quarterback, and you never play. I, Braden Smith played right guard and right tackle for two games in college. You aren't moving him over, are you? Wouldn't think so, unless you get that desperate, right? I mean, but that's like now you're now now you have another hole at right tackle. You know, you have a question mark at left tackle, and you don't know if Braden Smith can be the guy. And now you have a hole at right tackle. True. So, I, I, trade maybe free agency. I briefly looked at the free agency names at left tackle, Joey. It's not pretty. I mean, do you take a rookie there at there at um? 13 overall, and just say that he comes in and starts, I don't know. I mean, it would be crazy. You know what I mean? Like, a, a lineman that high would no, be No, no, it wouldn't be the craziest thing. it would thing. just suck that you'd have to be like, ah, damn. Sets us back yeah. a while for quarterback then. That and just, uh, yeah, and just in terms of headlines. Well, the last two first-round picks for the Colts, yeah. left guard and left tackle. Um, hell, you'd have a lot of draft capital invested into that group. 
boy, they need Costanzo back. Yep. God, they need For him. sure. And then uh, from Andrew here, will there be a Beers with Bowen 3 pre-NFL draft? Oh, yeah. You bet, Andrew. Uh, Andrew came to our, I think the one at St. Joseph's, Joey. I'm not sure if he came to the one at uh, at Too Deep. But, uh, yeah, we'll definitely have one. I mean, this is, <laughs> guys, girls, this is a huge offseason. Big. Huge. I, I cannot stress that enough. We have so much to talk about here over the next few months. So, um, yes, we will have another Beers with Bone. We were planning to have one um, <laughs> the first <laughs> yeah. week of January. The Colts made the playoffs, but 5-2 and two turned into 7-9. and nine. So, uh, right. yeah. Um, all right, we got three more here. Uh, three more is loose. Let me, let me get to it. Just a couple more since we didn't have a pod last week. Sure. Jeffrey, I want Josh Rosen. Many of the Colts media says Ballard has no interest. Your thoughts? Is it a smokescreen? I like him a lot. Jeffrey, better chance you're the Colts quarterback next year than Josh Rosen. <laughs> um, Daniel Keller. Daniel, congrats on the engagement, brother. Great to uh, happy for you. Um, everyone is talking Brady and Rivers. Why don't we look at Bridgewater? The guy has only performed well everywhere. He's been just a lot of bad luck. Yeah, Joey, I feel like Bridgewater's not a name that, like, we throw around much. Like, isn't it got to the point where it's kind of like Bridgewater wants to go start? It has to be, especially after going. You know, he he did more than hold you know the boat above God, water this year. Five and zero. Oh? Yeah. Well, let me look up a little Bridgewater action. All right, twenty seven. So he's a month older than Brissett. Man, I forgot he was a first round pick. Yep, in the first round. The Vikings were eleven and five, and then he had that he had the horrific injury, right? And and they just bailed on him. Complete, uh, career, 30, 65% passer, 38 TDs, 25 picks. Bridgewater's the one name, Joey, that, like, let's not let's not totally write off. I know I'm anti-free agent, but let's not. Man, nine touchdowns, two picks this year. Whew. Yep. But, again, what do, what does Reich think about him? What does Ballard think about him? Um, you know, similar age to Jacoby Brissett, all those sorts of things. So, boy, that's a, that's a, that's a good one, Daniel. You got got my mind racing a little bit. Um, Jorge, this time no questions. Just thank you for all the outstanding job. You have some listeners here in Brazil. the The city in Brazil is R E C I F E. I don't want to butcher the pronunciation, <laughs> so I won't. I was about to pronounce it, but I'm not. Uh, thank you, Jorge. Appreciate that. I think we had a listener from, was it Switzerland that sent in a DM question from earlier? We've had Ireland. We've had London. We've had Switzerland. Yeah, RJ sent in one, I think, from uh, Switzerland. Um, all right, man. That's about all I got. Cool. Good to be back. Good to be back, yeah. Um, sorry about the little uh, delay there in podcast. We are going to try to stick to uh, once every week, you know, kind of Tuesday, Wednesday, I think is what we've tar- targeted in off-seasons pass, emergency pods possibly, if those are necessary. We do need to get to a Pacers pod, Joey, at some point here in January. Ooh. I'm really trying to hold out until, like, we have Victor Oladipo concrete date back, and I feel like that keeps on getting pushed back. So that's a reason for that as well. But um, we'll get into that. As well, and my my yearly off-season pitch to listeners of the podcast, not only do we come at you every week, but we've got content on the website, oh, yeah. written every single day. Colts coverage, Pacers coverage after games, 
Head to 1070-1075thefan.com. We got your coverage there. So he's Joel Monero. I'm Kevin Bowen. Hope everyone had a great holiday, great new year, and uh, we'll be back next week on Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.